This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all new, better than ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. And the good news, guys, once again because we're redoing this again, uh, is the Chicago Cubs haven't heard us for five consecutive days. You got one more day left in the break, so enjoy it. Yeah, my favorite part of the five-day streak uh, was uh, the friends we made along the way. Some people may have been hurt by the draft. You don't know that. Yeah, mm. people that... That's true. According to our YouTube chat, a lot of them were hurt. Uh, but hey, I care about the Major League team more than anything else. Whatever. Sure. Uh, welcome. Welcome. Uh, Today, we are going to talk a lot about, you know, the first half of the season, recapping it a little bit. We're going to look back at our season predictions and make fun of ourselves for being wrong about a lot of things and maybe celebrate the things we were right about. Uh, And uh, we'll talk about a bunch of other stuff, too. I do want to start the show, though, with Ryan wrote a great story about Abrazale and Justin Steele's uh, friendship growing up or the last, what, 10 years or so uh, in the minor leagues coming up through the system together. Um, it's very well known that that Steele and Azale are yeah. are super close. Um, highly recommend going to check it out. Uh, just go to Ryan's Twitter account or go to allchshow.com and you'll find it pretty easily. I got to yeah. be honest with you, Ryan. Uh, I, I do think, maybe I'm biased, but I think your writing is a lot better when it, it's not co-written by Brendan. <laughs> uh, Hot take, but I, you know. I too many graphs in Brendan's stories? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Too many graphs? Um, no, I, I think... Like you said, like everyone kind of knows that they're a really good friend. I think they, anytime either one's asked about the other, like they bring that up of how good their mm-hmm. friends are. And I don't know, I'm just interested in exploring that um, because they, you know, Adbert signed in 2013, but didn't come over from Venezuela until 2014. Still gets drafted in 14. So they're, you know, in Arizona in 2014, rookie league. 2015, they're up in Eugene when that was still a affiliate of mm-hmm. minor league baseball Cubs. And 16, we're in South Bend together, and then 17, Myrtle Beach. Um, and just kind of, you know, exploring the beginnings of that friendship. You know, obviously what happened when Alzale kept going as Steele had Tommy John in 2017, how they kind of remained close through that time. And then now coming up on the big league team, you know, Adbert came up in 19, the tip of the cap thing. Steele oh, made yeah. his debut in 21. And just kind of how their paths have just kind of remained intertwined, even though – I think one of the cooler things was uh, talking to just going, you know, talking to people for this. Um, one of the, I guess, cool. One of the funny things to me is that, um, you know, initial conversations were obviously because these two were going to be starters, right? Like they came up through a system of starters. The idea was that they were both going to be starters in the Cubs rotation at some point. And then it sort of flipped where 
like Alzali was the starter. He was a starting pitching prospect, and then Steele was going to be in the bullpen, like a high leverage, multi inning, whatever it was. Like he was supposed to be the bullpen guy. Um, and then obviously the last two years, That's things flipped. yeah things flipped right. Like now mm-hmm. Steele is an all star starting pitcher, possibly you know maybe even should have started the all star game two days ago. And Albert Alzali is starting to become like a lockdown closer who. We know how good he can be when he's at his best. His best is probably an all-star level closer. Mm-hmm. If he can get there. If he can get there and get that consistently, I think he has that kind of potential. So, yeah, I just was interested in going through, you know, the last nine years of just how they developed, obviously as pitchers individually, but just how they developed that bond that has kind of carried them where, you know, Adbert's checking in with Steele as he's going through Tommy John, Steele's continuing to check in with Adbert like every day when Adbert's going through that the recovery from that latch strain he had last year um yeah just you know nine years of a friendship and a bond and obviously being around the other guy for 200 plus days a year um helps with that but like it's just I think it's a very interesting story and like one that we hear about a lot because they always talk about it but not one that like had been explored as much before so that was I don't know that that interested me and I think I was not surprised it's a great piece and so I was not surprised to check on Cubs Twitter today and see so many people praising your writing and and the story I think for me you know what is especially fun about a story like that and really being able to explore it is that not to compare things directly to like that last core, right? Because everything is different. But I think one of the things that was really special about that team beyond them being really good at baseball and winning the World Series in 2016 mm-hmm. was the the development of those personalities and the bond that I think so many of us as fans, you know, not people we actually know, but uh, with those players, right, and their relationships. Like one of my favorite things, and I think everybody's favorite things to watch for so many years, was the relationship that Chris Bryant had with Anthony Rizzo or that like Anthony Rizzo had with Dexter Fowler off the field, on the field, the little things they would do with each other. And I feel like because we've gone through so many trade deadlines, we've missed out on a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Like we're getting a lot of part-time players, players that they're trading or we're saying goodbye to, right? And so to read a story like this and, you know, continue to be able to gravitate towards these players that have been developed in the Cubs system and have been members of this organization for for so long, Mm -hmm. I think it is sort of getting back to, again, not, it's not apples to apples, but like being able to really connect with these guys and like, learn more about their relationship and uh, just be able to gravitate more to them as as people and, and members of this Cubs organization. It was just a really fun piece. Yeah, and I, I think one thing I forgot to, or I neglected to mention is just the fact that Justin Steele's from like, um, he's American born, country, mm-hmm. Mississippi, Loosedale, Mississippi, right? And Adbert's from the city out in Venezuela, like very completely, completely different, different, <laughs> different backgrounds, different cultures. And I think that's, like, another one of the points I was trying to make is, like, how did two guys from completely different backgrounds become such good friends? Like, how did that relationship develop? So, yeah, yeah it's on com. Also, great graphic work from our guy Joey Spathis. Yes. We love and miss you, Joey. The um, he'll be back here, what, next month? He'll, he'll, be, he'll be back soon. Um, but, yeah, great graphic work from him. Go check it out, com. Would appreciate 
some feedback on that. Absolutely. Good stuff, Ryan. Big of me to admit that. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> through through gritted teeth, he gives you the compliment. <laughs> With his, like, the Arthur bald fist. The, right, the, right. Yeah, the love and hate relationship between me and Ryan Herrera on this podcast, it's very well known. Uh, okay, so... As well known as Steel and Adbridge Friendship. There you go. There you go. Uh, so... Like I said earlier, we're going to talk a lot about the first half of the year, kind of just finally do the recap and go. We're going to do our second half predictions. We we're going to do that at the end of last of at the end of yesterday's show. But we got to talking about Cubs trade, potentially trading for Nolan Arenado or Paul, or Paul Goldschmidt just because the chat was talking about it. Um, so we can uh, I guess I feel like going into it, we can just go right into our season predictions going into opening day, which are always fun to come back and look at because we're always wrong. Most of always. us. Um, while we, uh, before we start, hit the like button. I don't know if I've told you all to do that yet, but hit the like button. I see all of you in the chat. I see you, Michael Collada. I see you, Rachel. I see you, Shane. I see you, Terry, Fernando, all of you. Um, so I guess, I don't know where to start. I guess we can start with our season prediction, like <laughs> records. The records. Um, uh, obviously I was the most optimistic one because I am who I am. I mean, I wasn't too far behind. Uh, I was number two. 88 and 74 Luke for with me. with a very nice, like, Price is Right situation yeah, right now. Just barely the lowest, uh-huh. so he's he's in the driver's seat right. for now. <laughs> Corey with 84, 78. Brennan said 84, 78. And Jared also said 84 and 78. Um I mean, it did make me feel a little bit better to not be the one optimistic guy like I was last year, but <laughs> I would say now we all kind of look like, unless things really turn around here in the second half, I, I feel like we're all going to be wrong here, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of season left. I do, I do think, though, like, that those predictions for the most part reflect kind of what we've seen, right? They've mm-hmm. been on the lower end of kind of how we all figured this, yeah. but like so many of us had them going six games over 500, right? Like that's not exactly lighting the world on fire. Yeah. And even in that scenario, I think a lot of us still predicted them to either miss the playoffs or maybe mm-hmm. get like that last wild card. Mm-hmm. So I don't think like we're off by a lot as, as Brendan would say, like, I feel like we're like one standard deviation, the wrong direction. Right. Yeah. But like, this is, I think we were all kind of expecting this to be a sort of middle of the road team and a lot was going to come down to close games and things like that. And unfortunately, we've seen the lesser of yes. those outcomes in this first half than we would have liked. Yeah, right. man, that's what we talked about so much is that, you know, last season was even more so. 2022 was like a lot of things had to go right for that team to be good. They had built like what we felt was a better floor for 2023 still wasn't a great floor but it was like if they can be a little bit closer to what their ceiling is they should have a good year and i think for the most part we just have not seen them play close to what their ceiling could be i think mm-hmm. we've seen them play a lot closer to what their floor is um i mean but they're still five what five games under 500 right now like mm-hmm. there is still potential yeah well, there's still potential for them to you know start to make a little bit of a run here as far as the trade deadline goes not a whole lot of time they obviously have to come out of the break hot but like I think just looking back on it is we just can see you mentioned Corey the the close games and just where they're at in those and like you know they're three and like twelve on Sundays or something like that just like <laughs> you know closing out series closing out close games it's just they have we've just seen that part just be very negative for them like that yeah. they just have not done well in those situations they've. The offense has been, you know, probably more middle of the pack. The starting pitching has obviously been great, mm-hmm. but 
we just kind of have seen the worst of a lot of the things yeah. that could that could be. When going we have on. a very good friend of the chat, Jeff Everson, live yeah. on YouTube here, pointing out that their Pythag record, which is you know you combine their runs scored versus mm-hmm. runs allowed, stuff like that, forty-seven and forty-two. So yeah, I mean it's like unfortunately they you don't like credit them you know it's not like oh they've been unlucky right like when they lose these close games a lot of it is them being bad yeah. in, in tight situations yeah. and not driving runners in or relievers not performing whatever it is but I think like to me it's more just like I, I think when we've seen this team at its worst I don't think that's reflective of their true talent mm-hmm. right I don't think this is a 95 win team that is just like horribly unlucky <laughs> right but like I, I think if if this roster stayed exactly the same through the deadline for all 162 games I think it's exactly kind of that same range a little bit like 500 kind of yeah. around 500 and if toward the end of the year they went on a real cold stretch they'd be a little more under if they mm-hmm. got hot they'd be around it or a little over. I think that's just like where this true talent of of this team is. It's like yeah. somewhere around the middle, which I, I think is what uh, real we've quick, seen. Real quick, want to point out the base runs metric on fan graphs. That's like, it's pretty similar to like the run differential, like the standings, the Pythag standings, like base runs takes into account not just run differential, a lot of underlying factors and all that stuff. And they have the Cubs should be 49 and 40 right now, according to base runs on fan graphs. So that's even higher than where... I lot. reject you your reality out. and substitute my own. <laughs> Cubs are in first place. Yeah. So, that's what, so that's what I'm saying is like the numbers, and I, yeah, yeah, games aren't played on computers, right? But right. numbers should say statistically they're a lot better than where they're at right now. So we've just seen a lot of these statistical uh, things go against them versus for them. Yeah. Well, and, and, they, and they're, on the field, you know, right? we've yeah. talked about it a lot. Like there's obviously a conversation to be had about you know, how you react to them supposedly being better in some of these models, but not on the field, yeah. right? Like, you, you yeah. would prefer that that not be happening, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not always by random chance, right? And I don't mean to suggest that that's, like, only David Ross or Jed Hoyer or something, but I think- if you're doing things where these things suggest you should be better, but you're worse on the mm. field... You might want to figure out you why that's that happening. Flipped. Yeah, I mean, we've all basically said it. Like the team has played better than what the record is, in my opinion. They, they've had in May. I felt like there were a bunch of games they lost because the bullpen gave it up, uh, or the offense just didn't come through, or the, or the offense didn't come stuff, through yeah. in the clutch moments. You can argue maybe they ha- should have had even more wins in April if they would have started the season with Christopher Morrell mm. or Matt Mervis. Okay, you can kind of argue it, but like, I I'm just saying they, if they start the 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 year with the most optimal roster, I especially with Christopher Morrell now leading the team in homers, and we've talked about how slug the slug the lack of slug on this team has has cost this team games. I'm just saying maybe I mean, there's another ge- another win or two maybe. in there. Not I mean they matters, were they were what two and eleven when his the first thirteen games when he was hitting the for sure out of but the ball. That in the, he comes up, but They're the rest of the team isn't performing. If he call, well, if he's I mean, coming up when the rest of the team is performing, yeah. then maybe things are maybe there's another win or two in there. Maybe. That's all I, I'm maybe. saying. I think ultimately, um, you know, if if I were looking at it, I would say that this is it's all to me. It's all on Jed, right? Yeah. This is the roster he put out, and Absolutely. while we can sit here and say, "Hey, some of these moves are good, some of these things are working out, some of these things aren't," etc. 
he said it, and I use this quote all the time. I think I said it to you guys off the air yesterday, right? Like, he said the best teams blow teams out. That is not the team he constructed, right? So when you don't construct an offense that can blow teams out, when you hand your manager a very much work-in-progress bullpen that needed a lot of tinkering to get the roles right in, you know, it really wasn't even settled until late June, right? That's the risk you run. The risk you run is that you do lose all those close games, and you are Mm -hmm. sitting here looking back saying, boy, they gave that one away. They gave that one in Houston away. They gave that one in Milwaukee away. Like That's the risk with a roster like this. The reason you don't see in years past a team like the Dodgers have that sentiment or the 2016 Cubs have that sentiment is because that roster was built to beat the you know the life out of other teams yeah you can afford a reliever not performing well because you're going out and scoring six runs a game right you have three starters competing for a Cy Young right that's not how this roster was constructed so that's why we're sitting here talking about a team that's five under when maybe you could look at other stuff and say oh they should be five over or they should be 500 whatever it is um I've scrolled down the the rest of our article that has our season predictions we uh we we predicted like who would lead the team in homers. <laughs> I uh, like the I, Bellinger question. The Bellinger, yeah. Question. We said will Cody, will Cody, ben, uh, will Cody Bellinger oh. have a bounce back season? Yeah, I think we all had some form of like yes, whether that yeah. was like it's not going to be you know twenty nineteen or yeah twenty nineteen MVP season Cody Bellinger, but mm-hmm. we thought that he you know maybe some new environment, some new uh, instruction with like Dustin Kelly, just new voices around him. Like maybe that could help him, like, cause he had a f- couple of really bad seasons offensively. So like even league average felt like, oh, that's kind of a bounce back, but like a little bit higher, like a one ten type WRC plus. Like he would have been, I guess, kind of satisfied with that, considering you didn't give him like this huge deal. And he's playing better than that. So he's, I, mean, I think we're all kind of right. He's in been that around, sense. because of the injury. He's been about as like right around the middling ground of what, like from the ceiling of what he could be in the floor. Right. I if I'm. I'm intrigued to know what his numbers would be if he didn't get hurt. That's that's what yeah. I'll leave it at. But potentially, um, he's not a 126 WRC plus. Yeah. So like that's when he's played, he's yeah. been great. Consider- Outside of a few couple weeks where he slumped, yeah. considering just considering where he's been the last couple of years, like absolutely. I think well, I think he, he's doing better than we even expected. He's already. I mean, if you're like a war person, he's already been worth more wins above replacement than he was for LA all of last year in about you know half the, the last appearances. three seasons. So. But, Anyway, uh, yeah, right. If you count the negative one yeah. in twenty twenty one, yeah. So anyway, like I was getting ready to say, oh, our prediction for like who was going to lead the team in homers, uh, we're all pretty much way off on this. Uh, I said say so Suzuki off. with thirty one. He's got six. Luke, so Luke and Jared both said Bellinger. I don't. Which maybe who he'd I said. be closer if he didn't get hurt for that month. So I can't give him too much flack. Ryan said Trey Mancini, which is hilarious. <laughs> with twenty six. Oh, and Corey also said Bellinger. Um, <laughs> but Brennan said Dansby Swanson at thirty one. He's got ten right now. He'd have to get real hot. But yeah. and right now, no Morrell. one said Christopher Morel. Which no one knew when Christopher Morel would be on the roster. No one knew if he yeah. could rebound or could uh, you know get back to how he was playing at the beginning of his tenure with the Cubs. So it's not necessarily surprising that we didn't say. Well, the we, funny thing is. It was Morrell and Wisdom is second, I want to say. So it's like the two guys. Like, I remember having the conversation and, like, we could pick Wisdom. He's probably not going to play every day at third. He may not have the plate yeah. appearance, do that, all that stuff. And yeah, you know what? Those two guys are the two we, we didn't expect to have the ton of plate appearances. We spent a, a good amount of time on this podcast already praising Ryan's writing. I think it is fair. We spent at least 10 seconds. <laughs> Trey Mancini. <laughs> Trey Ryan. Mancini. Come on, man. I was, I was trying to be outside brutal. the box. Had, I mean, that's. I don't know. He had good power numbers. 
Um, scroll down a little bit. Most likely to represent the Cubs in the All-Star game. None of us had Justin Steele or Marcus Stroman. Uh, I said, me and Jared said Nico Horner. Brendan said Dansby and Horner. So you got Dansby. Of course, he also Horner. said uh, Dansby. You said Dansby. So um, at least we were right about Dansby, like continuing to be an all-star player. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's a <laughs> – I think if you uh, move down to, like, the, the award predictions right now um, – what I I'll just go off with mine. You guys can go with yours. I said NL MVP Austin Riley, uh, Julio Urias NL Cy Young, uh, Kodai Senga NL Rookie of the Year, <laughs> David Ross for Manager of the Year, and then Comeback Player of the Year for Cody Bellinger. And I mean, hey, Cody Bellinger might be in that. He mix, might be honestly. able to if he stays healthy the rest of the year, and if the Cubs turn it around and find the way to get themselves in the yeah. playoffs, maybe David Ross throws himself into that mix. But I mean, Kodai Senga did go to the All Star game, so. So did Austin Riley. Yeah, I mean, my yeah. uh, I won't even. I, I, I think look. Acuna is running away with the NL MVP. Yeah, I don't right want to even look at my <laughs> National League award predictions because I think actually no, Corbin Carroll might still win the NL. He probably will win the NL Rookie of the Year. So that's a good one. But um, I scrolled all the way down to the World Series predictions. I had Padres over Yankees. That <laughs> doesn't feel like it's gonna happen. I said Cardinals, Blue Jays, but that was kind of like a bit. Corey had Yankees over <laughs> Padres, so not much better than what I put. I mean, do we give you credit for burying the Cardinals? Isn't that why you do that? One might say it is. Yeah. It is why I do that. And a lot of people yelled at me online. It's right. like you don't it's understand. It's a reverse the bit. jinx. Yeah, reverse jinx. Yeah. Um, so I, I think every time we take a look at these and we realize how just how wrong we are, for one, it's like no one's ever, like sports are hard to predict anyway, but like especially baseball, just you don't. You don't know. And that's when we talk about the trade deadline and how we, we talk about you go a whole 162, you probably got a lot better of a picture um, than what you do at the end of July. But you lose two months of that from the trade deadline. So right. what this team has been and what this team might be coming out of the all-star break, they may be way better or playing way better by the end of the year, but you lose two months of that. So I'm like, it's just so hard to predict yeah. what this team is going to be until you really get to the end of the season and see, you know, how right you were. Like it's just, yeah. It, yeah. The, the season fluctuates so, so much. I, I do. Cause I've seen his name pop up a couple of times in the chat. I do. I, I feel like we never talk about it. I, I'll lay out one point on Jason Hayward. Right. <laughs> Cause I think Gary mentioned that he has eight homers, uh, Ernesto talking about how he has more war in LA for the Cubs. Like I, I'm not I'm not going to say that the Dodgers can't unlock stuff or whatever, but the Cubs have unlocked Bellinger, right? So it goes both ways. The only thing I'll say about Jason Hayward is it, it, it's very difficult to compare. He doesn't hit against lefties for the Dodgers because they're paying him nothing because the Cubs are paying him. So when you're comparing the two situations, the Cubs were playing him every day because they were paying him $25 plus million, right? So comparing him to the Dodgers, who are letting him hit seventh only against righties and pinch hitting him the minute a lefty comes in, it's not apples to apples. Yeah. I, they're, they're getting more out of him. I'm not denying that. But I'm saying the Cubs couldn't use him yeah. like that, right? Like they, they were paying him in a manner they could not treat him as a righty-only yeah platoon guy and like, also that's just the, the difference. fact that he's getting paid nothing by the Dodgers yeah. he's he's playing free also that with no yeah. pressure to perform yeah. for the first time in I what, just eight and years? I'm not saying that Ernesto or, or Gary in our chat suggested this I have seen it suggested by others that like oh the Dodgers knew how to fix his swing I don't really like that's what I'm saying I don't know if that's true 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's still hitting, like, 230. Uh, he's got a higher OPS, but, yeah. but, like, he's only hitting against the right matchups. The yeah. Cubs didn't do that. They couldn't, they do, couldn't that do that for the entire time that he was there because they were paying him $25 million to be an all-star level right fielder playing every day, yeah. not a platoon player. You right. can't, you can't pay someone saying. that much to be a platoon. And, yeah. you know... If he was hitting exactly how he was during his Cubs career in L.A., they probably honestly they probably would have cut him by now because he's not making any money. Yeah, like right. if, if they were just not getting anything out of him, you know, it's not it's it's a small bit of change. I'm they sure have to the eat, Dodgers, you know? like Corey, like pointed at, like I'm sure the Dodgers are wondering how they got or how the Cubs got Cody Bellinger to play even half as good as he did when he was an MVP level player. So, yeah. I like Corey said, I think it goes hand in hand. Um, I, I I scrolled back up because I and I forgot to mention this, but we all said like w- the Cubs will finish ahead of <laughs> like in the division wise, and I just have to point out that Luke said Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Milwaukee, and they'll soon retake the North and never give it back. <laughs> I just love that he said Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, and like both those teams have been you know better than we expected. I mean, but we all kind of said that. One though, thing too. we definitely we're all wrong on is St. Louis. We all oh, gave yeah, them absolutely. way too much Jared credit. Jared said everyone except the Cardinals. And Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> we gave them way too much credit. Yeah. And we're that absolutely was not, right Cincinnati. not a good yeah. I did say that they would finish ahead of everyone because of the Dell Metrics algorithm. So once again, Fangraphs, maybe listen to me. Thanks. <laughs> um, okay. So if you guys want to check out our season predictions and then make fun of us online, uh, allchgo.com. You can find that article. It's going to take you a minute to find it, but I think there's a search option. You can find it somehow, some way. I would probably prefer they just read Ryan's article from that the too. Day. Read mine. That too. Don't yeah. make fun of if they want to make fun. I'm of ranking fun, Ryan's yeah. article number one, and then if you want to, <laughs> you want to, you want to get a good laugh, you can go check that out too. Sure. So um, now, as far as like where we're currently at, uh, the uh, we came up with like where I kind of came up with a pros and cons list of the first half of the season and Corey and Ryan didn't tell me if I was right or wrong. So we're just going to roll with it. Yeah. Let's, um, let's see it. I haven't even should seen we, how, how, how far are we into the show? Just Sarah. Go ahead and do it quickly. Are yeah. we at thir- 25, 25, 25 minutes. Should yeah. we do it quickly? Just okay. Go ahead. Yeah. It's, all, it's yours. And then maybe your we can do and the cons. ads and we can talk about it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, pros and cons list for me. Uh, I would say the pros has been the production up the middle. That includes Nico Horner, Dansby Swanson, and Cody Bellinger mm-hmm. slash Mike Talkman, in my opinion. Uh, just the the production all around in terms of offense and defense uh, has been elite. Uh, the starting pitching, we've talked about Steele and Stroman a ton. Drew Smiley has struggled in his last four to five starts, but he had a great April and May, almost through a perfect game. Uh, outside of Jamison Tyone, they've got – decent to good starting pitching Hayden Wisniewski whatever he's had some good starts he had a bunch of bad starts whatever but your your top guys have been great Kyle Hendricks has been better than what we expected and then the other pro is surprising players that have contributed Miguel Amaya is the first one that comes off the top of my head Mark Leiter Jr. they DFA'd him and then he came back somehow Julian Merriweather we didn't know what he was going to be he's been really good Mike Talkman. Mike Talkman, right um so that's my pros for the first half of the season my cons um, we talk about this ton. Roster, <laughs> the roster construction uh, and how they put this team together. There's plenty of things you can criticize there. Plenty and of then, holes in the uh, roster. And then uh, Ian Happ, Suzuki, and Jameson Tyon have just struggled. 
Ian Happ had a great April. He's been pretty – he hasn't played well enough to what the Cubs are not only paying him, but also in the role that they're using him in or trying to use him in. He has not performed to what they need him to be. Say Suzuki, six homers. Again, I predicted 31, man. And maybe the oblique injury has something to do with that. Maybe, you know, the lingering stuff that they refuse to talk to us about, whatever. Maybe that's why. Hopefully it gets hot here in the second half. And then, obviously, Jameson Tyon, who outside of his last start – has not been great, all right? So it, those have been glaring things, especially these last few months. Um, and then finally, the last con, for me at least, is the the long amount of time it took for David Ross to find roles in the bullpen. To me, they should have just started Alzali as a closer. I know it's hindsight 2020. Yep. Um, well, I think that's... But you can also, I think you can also say, especially after the handful of times that Fulmer, you know, didn't excel in that role it still took them a long time to even give Alzale that opportunity they shouldn't be trying to figure out the bullpen in June I'm sorry that's just the that's just how I feel that, about it to me is more a Hoyer thing than yeah, it is that, Ross I, would, I, I agree they Ross. pulled the string late on Fulmer but he's given those you know guys that they sign like it's not really a, if if Jed Hoyer wanted Alzali to be the closer and not Michael Fulmer to start the season, that's what would have happened. Well, so I, you want to, I'm, I'm sure. not blaming yeah. anyone. I'm just saying, on, yeah. or I'm not blaming David Ross my, on that. In particular, I'm just saying, just I mean, that is that my it biggest, took way too long for them to figure out yes, the bullpen role. Agree. Yes. My I biggest. Th- I, was say, I also think it comes down to player performance too, because like sure. they, they brought in, you know, Brad Boxberger was a good reliever for the Brewers for a few years there. You know, we we saw him a lot because they played the Cubs a lot. Yeah, um, he's a solid reliever and a good bullpen. And Michael Fulmer, he doesn't have the longest track record, but he's, he had good stuff, um, solid numbers uh, coming out of the bullpen. Like, if those two veteran guys had performed how the Cubs, you know, what they brought them in to do, then we probably wouldn't have that that issue of trying to find yeah. bullpen roles that late Absolutely. in the season. I, I think it all comes down – yeah, of course, like Jed Hoyer obviously deserves blame because these are the guys he brought in. But, like, players when it comes get down to it, yeah, they the, got to do their the job. The players got to yeah. perform, and when – you know, Michael Fulmer has found a, a, more, a better role, not specifically being the closer, and Brad Boggsberger is still hurt. Um, so that's where they're at now. But when they're not doing what they were brought in to do earlier in the season, that obviously pushes back, like, okay, we have our defined roles. Yeah. That pushes that back because now you're, you're taking up the first three weeks trying to see if these veterans can figure it out. My biggest con is that the first base situation mm. is and has been a total mess and we all knew it was going to be a total mess. Like that's one of those I things could have that definitely put more on the cons. Really pisses me off. Yeah. Um, we we all knew that addressing it in the way they did. I think I, I don't think a lot of us knew that Trey would perform as poorly as he has. But nobody wanted Eric Hosmer, right? Everybody knew that was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Like he was, you know, at best going to be a league average bat that isn't a good defender. What, but it, it just it was a position that in the offseason we all knew it wasn't addressed in a sufficient way and was going to be an issue. I think we had higher hopes for Mervis as well. But again, like when you're in a position where you're calling up a guy who's never played MLB mm-hmm. baseball before and it's, it's either he performs like he did in the minors or your whole season is <laughs> a mess. Like that's yeah. not fair to Matt Mervis, right? Yeah. So that's my biggest con is that that we knew that was going to be a problem. And of course it played out that way. Uh, the biggest pro 
for me is the small Cheval on Clark and <laughs> Wave. Absolutely. That's a, that's a, a huge, huge addition. One. That's huge. I appreciate huge I was literally addition. talking about that earlier. Huge I mean, the small Cheval. Hell like, yeah, brother. Because well, you mentioned the obvious stuff, right? Yeah. Like Dansby and Nico, Belly, Christopher Morell. Like, yeah, sure, that's great. Justin Steele is amazing. Of course, that's a pro. But we're talking like sneaky pros. Small Cheval. Yeah, I think, you're, I think you guys are completely overlooking the biggest pro. And this is not just Cubs. This is Major League Baseball. The pitch clock. The pitch clock. We haven't had a four-hour game yet this year. Yeah. The pitch clock is, hate is, it. is number one. Yeah, I don't hate it's it. No, absolutely number one, in my opinion. My, my unbiased opinion. Okay. I, I can't but, disagree with that. But I will say, like, the, the cons list that you put together, agreed with most. I think Ian Happ. I think maybe that's a little more recency bias just because he's kind of struggled the last few weeks, I think. I think because he still has a 115 WRC+. plus. He was maybe the most consistent hitter that the Cubs had. Uh, I mean, one thing I, I, I've seen and I kind of I, I see where people are coming from as far as discourse uh, is like Ian Happ maybe needs to be more aggressive late in games, runners, on, runners in scoring position, whatever. Great that he takes the walks and you don't want to have him change his plate approach like that you know, you don't you want you don't want him to change the hitter who he is, um, because he's been very good. You know, his on base percentage is really high, um, but sometimes in those late situations when he's taking a walk to load the bases versus putting the ball in play, sometimes I, I see where people are coming from when they see when they say they want to see him put the ball in play. I see that. All right. Kind of a uh, didn't Dusty call like high OBP guys base cloggers at one point? Maybe <laughs> I feel like I'm not making that up. You know, someone in the chat fact check Corey on that one. <laughs> On the Dusty thing, I don't think I'm making that up. Yeah. I feel like it was about like guys like Adam Base Dunn, bloggers? you know, who were like big walk guys. But I don't know. Um, I making it up. I make stuff up can, all the time. We can continue this, but we we need to read an ad. Um, sure. Yeah, guy who walks and can't run most of the time, they're clogging up the bases for somebody who can run. <laughs> so not really Hap because he can run. He but, can, you yeah. know, I think he was talking about Adam Dunn. But yeah. that that makes sense. Anyway, uh, if we're talking about Small Cheval being a Pro and a good addition to the neighborhood. You know what else is a good addition Tell to me. the Wrigleyville neighborhood? Is it Sunnyside? It is Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary. <laughs> uh, Sunnyside is your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. Sunnyside has everything you need to elevate your summer. It is a one-stop shop for all your cannabis needs, no matter where you are on your cannabis journey. Easy online ordering and in-store pickup great transparent loyalty program Sunnyside Rewards and it is Illinois' favorite dispensary from city to suburbs Wrigleyville to River North Champaign to South Beloit I tell you guys every time I live in Wrigleyville I shop at the Wrigleyville Sunnyside location it is so easy place the order on your phone it's ready sometimes in seconds you walk in pick it up the facility is nice and new and bright and clean they have so many knowledgeable staff members there to answer any questions uh you know as we always say like wherever you are in your cannabis journey i've been on mine uh for a long time back you know to the university of michigan which was a long time ago hail to um, the victors is hail the, to the victors the yes <laughs> and but if you're new to it like you have any questions about the type to buy the products to buy 
the ingredients, anything like that, their staff will help you out and you will leave having a really good, knowledgeable experience. You can shop the Sunnyside House of Brands like Mindy's, the best tasting gummy and chocolate edibles created by James Beard award-winning chef Mindy Siegel and Cresco Labs and the Good News brand, gummies, rechargeable vape pens and carts, perfect for great moments with the crew. Through August, head to sunnyside.shop and use code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order, one use per customer, not stackable with other promotions. That's not only for new customers. Anyone can use our code, pick up everything you need to elevate your summer, must be 21 or older, or an Illinois Med card holder. CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off. Hell yeah. Uh, I will add to that that nothing goes with cannabis like going to college. Students are just like you. Full-time jobs, families, full-time sports fandoms. Go back to school to earn a respected degree at Lewis University. You like that, Ryan? 35 miles southwest of Chicago and Romeoville, ranked as one of U.S. News and World Report's top-tier colleges. Lewis partners with numerous employers for tuition discounts and offers evening online and blended formats to help you balance work, family, and education faculty bring real world experience and instruction to the classroom which is immediately relevant to your career we offer career and career support and academic resources for adult students looking to complete your bachelor's or master's degree or enroll in a professional certification certificate program lewis has the right program for you lewis offers several career focused programs that will set you up for success i'm just going to highlight one here i said this the other day computer science or data science any kind of science it will probably lead to you to working into some major league baseball front office one day at this point in in our society so you can do that at lewis university listen get a data science degree and figure out why jameson tyone isn't as effective yeah exactly see (laughs) so discover how a degree from lewis can help you build a better world learn more at lewisu.edu slash you can do this all right so you can do it um when you said ryan when you said something uh, when you you said that i was in a way overreacting to ian happ I just or thought recency, it was like a bias. recency bias, yeah. Okay, I took it personally, like Michael <laughs> Jordan did. All right, uh, I'm not saying that he's having a bad season, but to me, his the production that he's giving is not enough for what the Cubs are, the role that they're putting him, as in batting him in the three or the four, four hole almost every day. All right, so in April he was great, like I said, 292, 405, 448 slugging with a 135 WRC plus in the month of April. Since May 1st, though, this is in 261 plate appearances. There you go. 226, 364, 358. So he's getting on base. 364 yeah. on base is great. But he's slugging 358, and he's batting in the three or the four hole almost daily. The WRC Plus is 104, so he's barely above league average. Again, he's getting on base. His walk rate is 16.9%. K rate's 26.4%, though. I Listen, if you're... If, if he's going to get on base like that, that's great. But if you're only going to slug 358 while still also striking out 26% mm-hmm. of the time, like you're just not getting what the Cubs are asking him to do. And that's, that's my issue. Again, I, and I've said this, that they need to bat him either first or second or move him down to the five mm-hmm. or six hole more consistently because then he won't be in those run-producing situations. I think he's a very valuable player. This isn't slander to Ian Happ. I just think the Cubs are using him in the wrong role right now. 
Well, it's. Well, I mean, I, I think it goes to to roster construction again. Yeah, it's, right. it, it, like you're you're if they're asking him to be their three or even four hit or whatever it is, like that's probably not the role he should be. And I I don't think anyone would. I would say agree. he is. But that's what I'm saying is like I I think you can say that, but you can also say he's having a good year for, or he's having a you know solid year for who he is. Asking him to do something that maybe a role isn't what he should be in. Okay, he, I mean, yeah. Like I, like I, I talked about, like, there's definitely cons in his game. The the walking, you know, not being as aggressive in, um, you know, runners in scoring position situations. I totally get that. There's definitely, you know, he's not, he's not going to, uh, this team that's going to win the World Series, I don't see him being one of their top hitters, right? I don't. But right now that's what they're asking him to be. So I agree he's not producing in that sense. But I also think it, it does go back well, a little bit to the roster construction. For, I guess this is more of I, it, it, yes, roster construction is is a good criticism for it. I think, I, also, I, think on, I think on its own he's having a solid year. But if you're going to put it in the context of like what they're asking him to do, sure he's not probably living I'm up just, to that. I guess I'm I'm sitting at a point where I haven't blamed David Ross for a lot of things as much as a lot of people in the YouTube chat or anyone on social media. But how many more play appearances does it take? Free and have to just to just change him because they're he's willing to move other people around. Nico Horner leads his team in RBIs, but you're batting him lead off or batting him second every other day. Give him put like I don't even think Nico Horner should be batting third or fourth, but he leads the team in RBIs. He comes through with runners in scoring position. That's that's kind of my thing is how many more plate appearances is it going to take for them to just change something up? They changed the lineup up by putting Mike Tockman at the top of the lineup when they went to San Francisco after getting swept by the Angels, and they got hot one, what, 10 or 13, 11 or 13, whatever it was. But they're, it's, they are unwilling to move Ian Happ or Say Suzuki in d- different parts of the lineup just based off you know, I guess what they've done in the past or what they believe in them. Like That's kind of my thing. And I guess to me at this point, Maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit of, his, of it is recency bias, but also put them in position. If, if, if this, if the, trying to get them to do this in this role of driving runners in, if it ain't working, then change something else up because they're willing to move Bellinger down to the seven hole and watch him go four for four and thank God they won that game. Or, you know, put Tockman at at, in the leadoff role, which worked. Like, that's kind of my thing is like some guys, they are not willing to budge on changing things up. And I just feel like it would benefit Ian Happ if they just moved him down the lineup or moved him to the I top. Think, I mean, ultimately, I think that, you know, it goes to a conversation we had recently. Like, they, they need a power hitter. And, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I don't think that's something that they're going to address at this deadline. But, like, as we go into this offseason, it just highlights this desperate need for this because you have a lot of guys who have been good hitters, like good complementary hitters, but they are not, you know, carry an offense kind of hitters. And so I think this just highlights that need for right now. Yeah, I think you got to move some stuff around. Uh, and David Ross has been doing a lot of that. But as we go forward, I think the discussion about Hap not slugging enough, Saya not slugging enough, um, you know, some of these other guys not slugging enough, it just highlights like they need a real power hitter because then these conversations are very different. Somebody is in that three, four spot, driving and runs yeah. and driving the ball and these other guys just fit in like nice puzzle pieces, right? But right now you have a really big puzzle piece that just isn't there. It didn't come in the box, yeah. right? Yeah. So for David Ross, it's it's a tricky like thing to put together because yeah, it, it, you're you're balancing a lot of stuff where it's like yeah, Ian Happ is 
uh, he's been in, you know, in and out of a little slump, like somewhat recently, but like overall for the last few years, he has been a good hitter. He's been an above league average hitter. Great. You want that, right? You need those peppered through your lineup, but you know, at this point we're deciding between a bunch of guys who hits three and four, the answer should be none of them. Right. And I think it even pairs with like, like Alzali in a way, right? Like he's been great. And I am thrilled to see him in this position. If this team was a 106-win team trying to win the World Series, he might not be your best choice to be your absolute closer, right? We've talked (laughs) about that because he doesn't get as many whiffs. But I think it's like the same thing. We're talking about good players performing well, Mm -hmm. but you're forcing them into maybe not the ideal position if you're talking about a team that's like really in that elite level. So it's it's a tricky spot. Yeah, yeah. Gary, Gary wants Jake Slaughter to be the power hitter to come up. Listen, I'm ready for Jake Slaughter too, Gary. I want to see Jake Slaughter come up and 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 mash for the Chicago. He got 816 Cubs. OPS I'm, at Iowa. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I need him too. Um, Slugging 487, which is really which is good. Yeah, at Iowa. I, I I I hear what you're saying in regards to it. Like, yes, the Cubs went into the season and they knew that they were going to try and get a an unreal season out of Ian Happ and they paid him all the money after he had a great April and I still like the deal I'm still happy they did it I'm still happy they extended Horner obviously too I just I guess in the moment right now it's like it's frustrating to me that they're willing to move other guys around the lineup but not Ian Happer say Suzuki they continue to put those guys up in, in the same spot. So I don't know what you're grinning about. If it's about me, then no, I'm, it's 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 just the slot the slaughterhouse. The slaughter, which is a good name. I, I I'll give house. it to. I don't know who who started it, but I've seen it a bunch. Slaughterhouse <laughs> is a good name for it. Okay. <laughs> um. How much time we got left, Sarah? We got about fifteen. 15? Yeah, okay. give or take. We're going. We're going. Okay. Uh. So in the segment, the second segment here. We were going to do, like, second-half predictions. We were going to do this yesterday, but We also have a uh, new schedule to look at oh, at yeah. some point. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot well. about the schedule. Let's do the schedule first because that's fun. Fine. There we go. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to become Luke Stuckmeyer. I really struggled with it. <laughs> uh, so, I obviously, the, the schedule came out today. I think the biggest thing, I guess, for Cubs fans that people notice. Early, okay, I'll start with this. I'm excited that the Cubs are going back to Fenway Park in April next year. And then after that, it's – the Tigers come to Wrigley in August, yeah. so Javi Baez returns, and then the Yankees come to Wrigley in September, which means Anthony Rizzo mm-hmm. returns to Wrigley for the first time since the deadline of 2021 that will forever scar me. I um, think I'm going to end up in the hospital. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I am not I'm excited at all. I'm not. I am not excited at all for that. I'm <laughs> preemptively miserable about that. I'm thinking that I will be excited because I think by September 2024 the Cubs will be a really good team. And hopefully it's a really competitive game while also getting to celebrate Anthony Rizzo coming back. It to, reminds to, me to of uh, a quote from Tom Wamsgans on Succession. He asks if you're, he, she's scheduling her grief, and that is what I'm doing. It's scheduled oh, yeah, for September 6th of 2024, yeah. that whole yeah. weekend. I will be grieving. Yeah. I hear you there. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be an emotional weekend for sure. They, they, Ryan, like, anyway, they, uh, <laughs> these two weirdos. <laughs> the one thing I noticed, they actually end the season at Wrigley Field for the first time in what feels like a long time. Like, they didn't end the yeah. season this year, obviously, last year. 
I think, I honestly think I saw something saying it the first time since 2018 they finished the year at, at Wrigley Field, like in years. So I, that's, mm. especially if they're actually a competitive team right there and they're, in, you know, that's obviously good if they're like, cl- like at the end of a division race. It's close, and then, you know what, they get three games at home against Cincinnati to finish it, which, if we're being honest, Cincinnati should also be a, a pretty good team next year, too. So I feel ma- like the division in general next year will be a lot better yeah. and won't be getting slandered so much for being so bad. I, but, yeah. You and I were talking, Ryan, before we jumped on the air. Like I think one of the interesting things about this schedule is like you look at the end of the season there towards September. You've got L.A., Colorado on the road, Oakland at home, Washington at home, mm-hmm. Philly on the road, and then ending with – Cincinnati like you play St. Louis and Milwaukee for the last time it looks like you finished with St. Louis if this schedule is correct in August and you don't play Milwaukee again after July it almost feels like I'm like missing something because that's crazy I don't see I don't but neither of those teams appear on this tentative schedule after August 4th that's crazy. Yeah. After the trade deadline, they have four against I don't St. Think, Louis. I don't think I like that. Three against Pittsburgh. So they have 10 division games after what was probably going to be it's, a trade deadline. It's cool that they get well. to play new teams, right? And I do like that part of the schedule. Like, I think in past years, it was nice when the Cubs were good to load up on those, you know, 17 games against the Pirates and just, like, mm-hmm. you stack those wins, right? But looking at it now like man if you're in a tight race with some of these teams you better take care of business early in the season because you don't have that ability to kind of control your own destiny so to speak by just winning games against those teams you're gonna have to take care of business elsewhere and hope somebody else is beating them if you're in a race with i I mean it it looks like the last division game is the fourth of september against pittsburgh Mm -hmm. that's crazy i I don't know if i i don't know i don't know if i like that like just feels a little weird to me it's uh yeah, I mean, I, I agree in that in a world where division races still matter, the winner of the division gets an automatic, you know, automatic bid to the playoffs or whatever you call that. Um, in that world, because there may be a world one day in Major League Baseball where, like, divisions don't mean anything anymore. They're just you play everyone and best teams make it, right? In a world where whoever wins the NL Central makes the playoffs, there should be more games at the end of the year to help decide those division races. I think that's... I think, as Corey mentioned, just not having the ability to if you're like like if you're the Cubs right now, and you only you know you're not playing whoever it was Milwaukee again. You have only have one season until St. Louis or one series left against St. Louis. If this schedule is this season, and you're the Cubs right now, you have very little or very mm-hmm. few division games in which to try to make up ground against the rest of your division, especially yeah. the teams above you, the Reds, the Brewers. And, and I, I don't like that. I think there should be more at the end so that those games really do mean something and can help mm-hmm. just kind of flip standings in a way. Yeah, I, I generally agree. I think it makes good for, you know, September baseball when you're playing teams in your division and you're in the middle of a race, right? Yeah. We, unfortunately, this didn't work out in the Cubs' favor, but following the team in September of 2018, despite how painful it ended, uh, you know, we everyone's watch, scoreboard watching. Yeah, every game Those mattered. games against, the, against Milwaukee and, and St. Louis, those, you know, last few weeks of the year that was you know that was huge and same thing in 2019 like it those games really really mattered and uh it was they felt like playoff games because everyone knew that those games mattered too so 
the uh, fact that you don't get that next year at the end of the year is it, it is kind of annoying. So I, I but also at the same time, like it, you're not playing teams 20 times a year anymore. So they have to figure out a way to even it, even it yeah. out. You know, question for you guys, if you were going to take a road trip, because now that they're playing these other teams, you're getting some ballparks in play that maybe you would not have had too many opportunities to see the Cubs play in. You would have had to kind of go and visit and just mm-hmm. see whoever was playing. If you could, if you had to pick one on this potential 2024 schedule, which, uh, which ballpark are you trying to watch the Cubs in? I mean, I've been to Fenway Park. I've never been to Fenway, so that probably be top of mind. Yeah, I mean, I've been to Fenway, but I've never seen the Cubs play at Fenway. So I'd love to go there, but for the sake of the fact that I've already been there, I'd probably go San Diego or Seattle. For me, it's either Fenway or San Francisco. It's Oracle, right? Oracle Park yeah, now. Yeah. I think those would be my top two choices as far as, like, yeah. a road ballpark the Cubs will play at next year. Yeah. 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 Right. Maybe Baltimore. I mean, I've, I've never been to San Fran, so I think that's an easy choice. Even though the Cubs go there every year, I think Seattle would be cool. I've heard good things. Cool. I mean, obviously it looked great in the, you know, the home run derby and the all-star game and stuff. Sure. Um, I did go to Fenway when they were there in 2017, 2018. I think. Was it 2018? Yeah. I believe Are you so. sure? I believe it. I think it was 2017. I want to say it's 2018. Um, <laughs> I'm a fan of the Chase Field. In Arizona? Arizona? Yeah, I had to, oh, yeah. to double-check myself, but because um, I was like, what's the ballpark with the pool in it that you can actually, like, oh, swim yeah. and everything? With the pool? Yeah, yeah, yeah and so I, I just Googled, and I was like, right, it's the Chase Park. Yeah, you I was you like, can That's... swim in it as long as you're not the Dodgers and you just won the division. Yeah. yeah. They will sure. bring out the horses for that. Yeah, That's, that's the one. I've um, never been to it. That I would love to travel to. Yeah. Yeah. Baltimore on there is is probably a real one. I've heard that park is just really, really nice. Yeah. Um, so I'd really love to do that. The one the one I pointed out is um, L.A. in like May, I think, the Angels visit mm-hmm. the Cubs. Will Shohei Otani still be an Angel? Or a Cub. Will he well, be will, playing will in that be, game? Will he be in that yeah. game? And what side would he be on if he is? Don't let me talk myself. <laughs> also, <laughs> it was 2017. I want credit on the air. Okay. Right. Cubs, Red well, Sox. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good right. story. Uh, we have a super chat from Fernando. Appreciate that, Fernando. We're 99. I honestly, Cubs, I think he's saying, I honestly think the Cubs should look at Otani. Yes. The price is offset by good two-position player. Long-term, he's a DH in year seven. I'll be at DraftKings on Friday. <laughs> no, you, you don't have to convince us, man. Yeah, man. There's uh, no I, one here saying that they hey, shouldn't I, get Otani. I, I, you know, sure. I feel like part of the logic was you go to the DraftKings Sportsbook, that money is supposed to be getting funneled back into the team. So, yeah. Yeah, Fernando, you might be supporting Shohei Otani directly. At, at the at Cubs convention this year. No, it's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. Anybody yeah. that says otherwise is just blatantly incorrect. Yeah. It's a yes. no-brainer from a baseball perspective. There's your power hitter. There's your top-of-the-rotation arm to go along with Justin Steele, whether Marcus Stroman is still here or not mm. and from a business perspective it's easy I, I remember watching a game I think it was last week in San Diego where they changed the ads behind the plate to Japanese ads because Shohei Otani was playing in the game wow. like that's mm-hmm. how big his appeal is yep. and how like much money is focused when he is playing yep. and going to new ballparks yep. and playing in front of new audiences it is that is a no-brainer I don't care what it costs right they they should have the money they've been saving up for all this stuff we don't have bryce harper like all this stuff it is a no-brainer it it should be a no-brainer for every team Absolutely. right but it fits exactly what the cubs need and if they're gonna pounce that's the time to do it 
if you asked me whether I think Shohei Otani is going to be a Cub, I would look you dead in the eye and tell you no. But that's where we sit right now. It's out of my control. Well, I'll say this. You could dream about it. I'm going <laughs> to dream about it. Uh, put your shady rays on while you dream about yeah. it. Am I right? Um, yeah, I guess so, right? I, yeah. I don't generally wear sunglasses when I dream, but if I'm going to do it, it's going to be my shady race. you're outside. Dream. Yeah. Uh, take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. It's got durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures, and that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact, from building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime. Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't like your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. When you've got those shady rays on, it will help you because the lights are so bright Mm -hmm. from our friends at ComEd. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve, helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future. Yeah, Corey, ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. ComEd also offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. How does it work, Cody? Well, Corey, let me tell you, an authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours within three to four weeks. Customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. If you own a business, don't wait, Corey. Get started saving money and energy today for energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash poweringbiz. Hold on. Did you say comed.com slash poweringbiz? Hell yeah, I did, Corey. Schedule it today. <laughs> yeah. Luke Stuckmeyer would be proud. Um, okay. So we got a handful of minutes left, and I keep saying we're going to do second half Let's predictions, and we're finally going to do it. Really going to do it. I'm sorry I forgot about the schedule release. We should have done that for a segment. Um, all right. So for me, anyway, my second half prediction, if we're just talking about like the roster or the player or whatever – I am standing my ground and believing that Cody Bellinger is staying on this roster. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I said at the beginning of the year, and I'm sticking with it. Okay. I think my predictions, I actually want to give one like kind of regular prediction and one that's a little more bold. Um, regular, I think the Cubs are 
soft buyers have a deadline. I likened it to what the Reds did a couple years ago. They just went and, and traded for a couple you know, minor trades for some relief help. Um, didn't I didn't ultimately get in the playoffs, but like it was just soft buy, not selling off a bunch of pieces, see what they can do over the last couple months of the season. I think the Cubs will come out of this break, play well, get themselves in a position where, you know, two months to go in the season, they're still in striking distance in that in, for first place in the central. And they're not going to go all in. They're not going to start selling a bunch of prospects to, to bring in whatever help they need. But I think they'll go out. Maybe they'll get a lefty reliever. Um, you know, if if they don't bring up Jake Slaughter, maybe they can go and get uh, third base help or something. Uh, maybe a, a cheaper power bat, something like that. Um, but I can see them. I'm going to predict that they will go and be soft buyers at the deadline. So, you know, three-ish weeks from now, um, they will not have sold off all their trade assets. My bolder prediction: Justin Steele wins a Cy Young. Oh, hell oh, yeah. yeah. Plus 1,700 on DraftKings Sportsbook Let's right now, baby. Let's go bold. We know he's been in the race all season. He very easily could have started that all-star game. Um, just because he's not a, a huge part of the national consciousness yet doesn't mean that the people that pay attention uh, will not vote for him at the end of the season. I think he's going to have a really, really good second half. Um, obviously, he has to prove it because he's not gotten through an entire year of baseball yet. Because he, you know, he got shut down in I want to say August last year and didn't pitch again for the rest of the season. Um, so he has not made it through the end of a full major league season. So he's got to prove it. That's what I'm saying. It's bold. Um, but I, I mean, I think what he does well as a pitcher is not going to like. He's not going to go through long periods where he's having bad starts. I don't see that coming for him, and I see him remaining in the race for the Cy Young towards the end, and we're going to go bold. He wins it. All right. I don't know if I have a really bold one, but just because it's been a topic of conversation, uh, Seiya Suzuki finished last year with a 116 WRC+. He's at 105 right now. I think he gets to 120 by the year end. I believe in Seiya Suzuki, right? Is he the power hitter that we need him to be or that maybe we thought he could be? Obviously not yet, but he's still a good hitter, and I believe in that, and I think when we've seen him in these slumps, I do not think that that is reflective of who he is. So I think by year's end, he is a decidedly above-league average hitter, quality hitter that is creating offense for this team, even if it is not necessarily in the exact way that we thought i think well he finished with 17 homers last year he's got six right now uh, i believe it was 17. 14. Four, he finished 14. with 14. who's i thinking that. that was 17. i don't know whatever don't <laughs> let the facts get in the way of a good story uh i think that if he can finish with somewhere close to 20 homers which he has six right now we've seen hitters get hot for a month you know what i mean if he can finish closer above 15 at the very least I think we feel a lot better about him going into next year. They just need more. They need He needs to get that launch angle going, man. He's been hitting too many ground balls. Because I agree. I believe in Say Suzuki, too. And I think he's a great hitter. We keep talking about the hard hit rate and how it's like top 20 in baseball. He's hitting the ball hard into the ground. So he just got, he's got to lift that ball more. And now can you, uh, Ryan, you might be able to clarify this for me. Is la- launch angle, is, is that Dell metrics or is that... 
saber metrics. That is not dumb metrics. Oh, okay. I, I'm sorry. Big of me right. to you know use all facets You're of crossing of, lanes of, here. Of analytics, right? Um, Fan but, graphs won't you do know, that for dumb metrics. As we're like wrapping up here, and you know we're talking about the second half. This is obviously. I know we said that that last 13-game stretch was really critical, but can I offer you another uh, critical stretch here, right? And, you know, look, it, it's laid out for the Cubs. What the, the point that they need to be at come the trade deadline, August 1st, right? Yes. Yeah, August 1st. Where they need to be at is not something that we can answer. That's something that Jed knows or has a feel of and if he's getting the right offers on certain guys or otherwise or if you're talking soft buying if those players are available for a price he's comfortable with I can't answer that for you but what I can tell you is that coming out of this all-star break it is laid out almost as well as you could ask for if you need to go on a run right the Cubs play one team that has a record that is above 500. That's the Boston Red Sox, right? Otherwise, you have the Nationals, who are 18 games under. You have the Cardinals, who are 14 games under. Again, that's the St. Louis Cardinals, who are in last place in the NL Central, 14 games under 500, uh, 11 and a half games back. Just clarifying, any people might not know who they I was talking about. They also traded Randy Rosarena, Luis um, Garcia, Zach Gallen, and Sandy Alcantara. You get the White Sox, who are 16 games under 500. Then the Cardinals again right so it's there for you on august 1st you know i think you start a series with the red so obviously if you're in that mix that's going to be a critical series but coming out of the all-star break in the position that you're in but you know boston's a handful over that's going to be a tough team even though i believe they're in last place in the al east they're still five games over 500 you know solid enough team uh but you're playing a bunch of teams yeah. that if you want a shot, you have to be able to beat. Yeah. And like, especially those two series with the Cardinals, like the Cubs aren't the ones mouthing off. We are. But like, <laughs> if you're going to look at them being in last place and we're sitting here yucking it up, you better beat them. Right. Yeah. Cause otherwise those, I think it's seven or eight games with the Cardinals. I mean, this is, yeah, it's that, that has a chance to a bury your things. season. Yes, so it's yeah. funny that they're in last place right now. And Mazaliak is talking about trading guys. It would not be funny if you can't <laughs> take care of business with them, which when they came to Wrigley Field the last time, you didn't really. So it's laid out for the Cubs. If they can't make it work with this type of schedule then all of this is for naught anyway yeah it's uh it's it's 16 game stretch leading into that cincinnati series which is the second day is the trade deadline 16 games all very winnable series of course but games like the only one that like you can say this team is better than the cubs or at least right now is is boston to start off the also break the, you know to their credit they're five games over 500 although they are in last place in the al east um but that's like the scariest team in this next stretch for the cubs so i'm totally with you there's all they can take control of their own destiny they might not be able to make up ground so to speak but they can win a lot of ball games coming up in this next 16 games and hope that the brewers or the reds start to scuffle a little bit coming out of the break because they have a very winnable schedule. Well, and by, I, very, I very much agree with you. And by contrast, I don't have the – I'll get the Brewers in a second, but the Reds have a, a very tough schedule coming out of the break. They play the Brewers, the Giants, the D-backs, the Brewers, and then the Dodgers, right? A lot of that is at home, which is nice for them, but those are all teams that are winning games right now. I believe all of those teams are above 500. Yeah. So compared that to the Cubs – You've got six games where the Brewers and Reds are going to be playing each other while you're playing not great competition. 
So someone's losing games. You ought to be making up ground on somebody. So you gotta take care of business. again, the it, Cubs it, have a much easier second half schedule than both Milwaukee and the Reds. And, and so just in this couple week period, season? like yeah, this is much. where it's going to count. Like Brewers, this is where you're making decisions. Brewers have Reds, Phillies, Braves, Reds, not Phillies. Well, yeah, Reds, Phillies, Braves, Reds, Braves. Yeah. Like that's tough. Both of those are tough right. schedules. Yeah. So, Milwaukee and Reds are going to duke and the Reds are going to duke it out. And listen, I, I agree. The, the Red Sox are a, very solid team. They'd probably be a lot better if they're in a different division. <laughs> However, the Cubs have played well against the AL East. So I'm, I'm actually feeling optimistic going into tomorrow. They're coming off a great game, winning a series against the Yankees. They've, they won the series against the Orioles. They won the series against the they Rays. Lost the series they against won the, the series against the Yankees. All right. So, like, listen, yeah, I know none of that means anything going into the series, but they have played well against that division. And, yeah, the Red Sox, their, their pitching is, yeah, I think that the Cubs offense, offense can get going this weekend, and hopefully it does. Be, when I think it's a fair, it's, it's, again, how you feel about what they should do or what they, I, I don't know. But I do think, like, this is one of those stretches where you look at the Red schedule, you look at the Brewers schedule, and you look at the Cubs schedule, And it is a place where if this team cannot play well enough to convince Jed not to either soft buy or just not to, like, blow stuff up, they won't deserve it. They're going to be playing teams that they have to be beating if they want to get back in a race, even in a bad division. If they can't do it, then they won't deserve the help. It'll make the decision even easier for Jed if he's on the fence. I would say that they have to be over 500 by August 1st for them to – even soft buy, in my opinion, potential. That, I think that's I think, where I think they that that if they're they're five under right now, and we just talked about how favorable the schedule yeah. is. If if they're not uh, at f- at least at five hundred by then, I think that they're not. I they I don't think they'll even soft buy. I maybe soft sell. I don't think they full on sell. I'm going to disagree. I think maybe just where they are standing wise matters a little more. If they're what like two games under five hundred. But they're within like three of, or they're within striking distance of first place. I think maybe they go in soft buy. Yeah, I think it could be. I think sure. I think just where they are in the, in the division really does factor. If they can't make yeah. up any any ground on these guys, then it's a different story. Yeah, I mean obviously they're gonna do that, but thankfully the Brewers and the Reds are gonna play each other yeah. a couple of times here. Hopefully the Cubs, uh, you know, take advantage of the schedule. And let's be real, they haven't fully done that when they absolutely needed sure. to. Outside of that so we'll 11 see. to 13 stretch. But, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll be back, or I'll be back here tomorrow for night. pre and post with Kevin Wells. Brian will be at the ballpark to kick off the second half of the season. Um, Brendan might be joining me and Kevin, like, remotely That's from California. <laughs> which, according Whoops. to Corey, is Are we still on the air? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he might be. I can't promise. Uh, but, anyway. But we're we'll, back. We have pre and post tomorrow here. Uh, at the CHO Sports Studio. So, um, and then Corey and Brennan on Sunday? Yeah, and Corey and Brennan on Sunday. Also, I go. just want to wish uh, Cody Bellinger a happy birthday. That's fair. I got Get bored it. today, so I made just a little something. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> happy but, birthday to yeah, Cody Yeah, happy Bellinger. birthday. And you um, might be able to see Cody Bellinger at your local Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary. <laughs> Use code CHO25. He's, that's how he's celebrating his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. Hit the like button on the way out. I saw there's around 70-some people in here and only 41 likes. Do us a favor. Hit the like button so other people on YouTube can see us because we're only trying to grow here, baby. We're not trying to go down. Um, All right. Thanks for dropping in. Check out the CHO Cubs podcast. We'll see you tomorrow. 
Pre-game, uh, Barb. Pre-game, live, right here. We'll see you there.